Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Co-host today, Joey Ikes. Uh, we have news to break. I guess not really breaking at this point, but uh, Mike Zimmer has agreed to terms with the Dallas Cowboys to be the Dallas Cowboys defense coordinator in 2024. Um, we're gonna, you know, touch on that a little briefly to start, but uh, we have a lot to talk about today. We're going to do not a mock draft, but a mock off-season scenario where we're going to go through. Uh, some of these moves the Cowboys are probably debating on right now as far as free agents of their own team before we get into free agency of the whole NFL. And then we'll get into a mock draft simulator um, as well, um, if if time provides for that. Before we get into it, Joey, uh, let's get your thoughts on Mike Zimmer first. And then how are things going over at the Ike's house? And uh, are you ready for the, the combine to roll around here in the next couple of weeks after the Super Bowl? Yeah, it's cool it's pretty crazy how fast this off season stuff starts to hit us. <laughs> Once it starts to come oh, it does. hit a little lull for about a month, right before the draft. And then draft comes and then we have the OTAs and stuff like that. And then it's a little bit, um, a little bit of a lull in the summer and then it's, you know, off we go again. So <laughs> we'll be talking about this team playing games again pretty soon, but yeah, things are good. I'm excited about the combine and the draft and, you know, free agency coming and all that kind of stuff. It's going to be good. Let's get into this. This is your thing, man. Like ever since we followed each other on Twitter, I mean, shoot, we've probably followed each other on Twitter now for a long time, six, seven, eight years at this point, but you've been so big into cap stuff, which there that like, not a lot of people are like super familiar with it and know how to maneuver it. And like, that's been your thing for so long. And like, I remember us talking about cap stuff. I mean, going back a, a long, long time ago. Um, so I kind of want to get into that because one of the biggest, I guess, questions surrounding the Cowboys heading into this off season is what is going to happen with the quarterback, the receiver, some of the free agents. Um, so we're going to pull up, over the cap here, we're going to kind of work our way through the Cowboys offseason, but we're going to start with the quarterback, some of the cap maneuvers they can make to free up space. Um, we're going to get into all that different stuff here now. So we're going to go ahead and start um, with the big one. Dak Prescott, 
um, slated to make a lot of money this year. He has a, just about a $60 million cap hit um, in 2024. Um, so we, we pretty much expect an extension to come. Um, obviously, we're not going to know the exact details of that, but I want you to talk a little bit about what a Dak Prescott contract extension could look like um, for him and then what could what that could make the uh, cap situation look like once it gets done. Yeah, so like you said, I've, I've been talking about this stuff for a long time. I remember Katie Drummond and I on G-Chat, you know, we'll, we'll throw it way back in the day for us, on, on G-Chat in 2015-ish, sending messages back and forth, figuring out what we thought Cole Beasley's free agency contract was going to look like. Like that <laughs> with the extension he signed with the Cowboys in 2015. So that, you know, it goes back to, you know, getting close to a decade for me on really looking into this stuff and under, trying to understand it really well. <clears throat> the best comparison that I have for the salary cap system in the league is the income tax system in, in the United States. And the reason why that comparison is apt is because if you don't know how the system works, it feels unavoidable. It feels, you know, the, the, you know, the, the cliche death and taxes are the only two things you can count on. Right. Um, But for people who, understand the system people who read the really long legal documents relating to the topic it is very 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 easy to manipulate and move things around within the rules and never run into problems or if you're super duper duper rich never have to pay income taxes and so because of that that's why i say the cap is a myth, the cap's not real, those sorts of things, because any any team at any time could realistically sign any player to the contract that that player requests or desires without negatively impacting the rest of their team. Um, So when a team cuts a player and said that it is for salary cap purposes – what they are telling you is not that they can't afford the player. It's that they value X amount of dollars, whatever the money that they save by cutting him is. They value that money more than they value that player. That's the thing. It's a trade, essentially, but you're trading the player for money instead of trading player for player or player for pick. <clears throat> and so that's kind of high level. And, and to drive in the fact that the cap is, you know, a construct that isn't really a driver in team in decision making. Most teams operate not off of the salary cap, but off of a cash budget that is unrelated to the salary cap. So the owner will give a budget for cash for the year, and that is the amount of money that the football department has to spend on players within that year. And however they structure the contracts, to fit within the salary cap structure is what drives how many players they can get for that amount of money and what level of player they go. So that's kind of a little salary cap context. Zoom back into Dak Prescott. The only option they really have this year is to extend Dak Prescott. And the reason for that is several fold. One, um, 
because of the way they handled the negotiations last time, they have no options to retain Dak Prescott past this season, past the 2024 season, other than signing him to a contract extension now. If they wait until after this season, um, he becomes a free agent at the start of the 2025 league year, and some team will pay him $65 million a year to go be their quarterback because he will be by far the best quarterback to hit the free agent market ever, maybe. Um, I don't think we've ever had a quarterback of his level hit free agency. Um, a guy who finishes second in MVP voting a year before he becomes a free agent. The reason for that is he has a no-tag clause in his contract, um, and for any future team, he signed his second tag with the Cowboys. And so because of that, no other team can tag him in the future either. It's like some astronomical, insane number um, that they would have to pay for him for that one year. <clears throat> he also has a no-trade clause. Um, so unless you have his permission, you can't trade him. Um, so the only real option is to extend him. Um, they There is some maneuvering they can do with void years and things like that to only have him under contract this year, but lower his cap number this year. Um, but what that does is it just pushes more money into the 2025 cap when he's no longer your quarterback in that scenario. So you've got to extend Dak Prescott. What does that contract look like? Joe Burrow's contract is for $55 million a year. I don't think there's any way you're signing Dak for less than, I'll say Jalen Hurts signed for $51 million. Justin Herbert and Lamar Jackson both signed for about 52. You're probably looking at between 53 and 56 or $57 million a year. So you're looking at probably four to five years and 200 to $270 million, probably somewhere in that range. So to, to, to break that down a little bit into kind of what we're talking about, it sounds like just if you kind of base some of those figures off of what like over the cap says, it looks like a Dak Prescott extension will save you about what, what are we thinking about? 26, $27 million this year. Yeah, so basically what they will do in, in the, that scenario is they – so he's got $34 million this year in combined base salaries and roster bonuses. So that is the money that you can make kind of go away. <laughs> um, right. And so what they will do is they will sign him to an extension and lower his cap hit for the first year of that extension, lower his base salary to a very, very small number and pay him a – 60-ish million dollar signing bonus or something like that, 50 or 60 million dollar signing bonus. And they will that signing bonus will be spread over five or six years or be five years. That's the maximum you can do. And then they will lower, so they will take that 60 million or 70 million, maybe even more than that, and divide that by five. So that gets you call it 12 to 15 million dollars in in uh proration that hits. And then um, two million dollar base salary, and so his his cap hit this year would go from being fifty nine to being somewhere in the neighborhood of thirty five and to like thirty to thirty five million dollars probably. 
So again, just to, to kind of explain to everybody listening, the, the Cowboys are currently about $20 million over the cap. So signing Dak Prescott to an extension by itself gets them just into the green um, by probably five or $6 million if we had to take a guess, um, which means, you know, again, there's a bunch of different moves we can make. But just to explain and kind of move on from there, a Dak Prescott extension gives you the runner-up, for the league MVP, a lower cap hit. He's under contract for four or five more years. Gives you a good quarterback, whether you want to talk about if he's good enough to win you a Super Bowl or not. We can have that discussion another day. Um, But you're getting a really good quarterback under contract for four or five more years. Um, You're lowering that cap hit to to be able to make that, you know, if this team's going to go all in like it says it is, it gives you the option to do that. And it's giving you, like I said, that money to, to use in free agency and and not have, you know, the quarterback issue lingering over the team's head all year heading into 2025. Um, so let's just, like I said, like they've been, there's been little rumors popping out that, you know, that we kind of expect an extension to get done. Ian Rappaport said it multiple times. Like I said, we'll, we'll keep an eye on it. We're not, we're not guaranteeing it's going to happen, but we feel pretty confident that happening. And we feel pretty confident that with the Dak Prescott extension, the Cowboys will get into the green by a couple million dollars. So let's just say that the Dak Prescott moves wipes out their, their cap issues right now. It gets them, let's say $5 million into the green. Um, from there, I think the next thing we need to talk about is a CD lamb extension. Would you agree? Yeah, you know, there are some procedural moves on contracts like Trayvon Diggs, potentially um, Terrence Steele, depending on how they feel about the issues he had this year and re- whether they'll carry on. Um, and maybe you know, Donovan Wilson, Demarcus Lawrence, Zach Martin, depending on how they feel about where those guys are in their career and how they want to handle those, the accounting for those those procedural moves where they convert the salary to the lowest possible number, the, the league minimum, convert the, the rest of it to a signing bonus. Does it change the payout schedule or the total amount of cash the player collects at all? Um, just changes the way it's accounted for for the salary cap um, and allows them to create space between if they did three of those contracts, they probably could go out and find you know, somewhere in the neighborhood of another 15 to $18 million in space from those moves without impacting any other contracts. But in terms of the next big move, yes, it's CD Lamb. And CD Lamb is on the fifth-year option from his rookie contract. Just about $18 million is his salary cap number right now. Um, again, this is a you're going to call this a problem. A lot of people will that the Cowboys are running into is that they are going to have market-setting players at multiple positions um, all at once on their roster, which is a good problem to have, but it means that you've got to draft well and all that other kind of stuff um, to be able to continue to fill the deep team. Um, C.D. Lamb at $18 million, um, if they are wise, and that's a question that we could ask ourselves, if they are wise, they will not allow him to play on that fifth-year option because you do not want him to turn around and next year cost $23 million on a, on a franchise tag. Um, so if you sign him to an extension this year, this is kind of the full value of signing guys to extensions before their current contract is up. Um, you sign him to a four-year extension this year, Um you get to account for that over five years because you get to keep the current year in the contract. 
So you get to split the signing bonus over five years instead of four, gives you more cap flexibility, all that kind of stuff. Long story short, they are probably coming around. If we look at Tyreek Hill's contract, he signed a year and a half ago or so now. Um, it had a $25 million signing bonus. If we round that up for CD's purposes to $30 million, split that over five years, that's about $6 million a year in prorated signing bonus, and then drop his base salary down to the, you know, two million, a one and a half, two million dollar range. And you've got a salary cap number in the neighborhood of seven to eight million for CD Lamb in 2024 versus the $18 million cap number that he's carrying now there's $10 million in cap space because you signed a player to a market setting. Yep. And like you said, I think, you know, these are just guesses and kind of worth thinking, but over the cap has a contract extension uh, with CD lamb, saving them about $13 million this year on the cap. Um, Right. And that would be, you know, if the signing bonus is 25 million instead of 30 million, you start getting North of that 10, 11, $12 million number that, uh, that they're talking about. All right, so a Dak Prescott extension and a CeeDee Lamb extension, two of your best offensive players, keeping them under contract, saves the Cowboys about, let's see, 26, almost $40 million pretty much. Yep. Um, so with, with the CeeDee Lamb extension, with the Dak Prescott extension, the Cowboys will be looking at about $20 million in available cap space, um, give or take. But we're just going to stay $20 million, play it a little on the safe side. Um, you mentioned some of those procedural moves, the restructures with Trayvon Diggs, um, you know, Zach Martin, Terrence Steele. So, so let me ask you this. Do you think Zach Martin at his age and where he's at in his contract, they would consider restructuring him? Um, I do. And one of the functionalities that basically I feel as though you should maximize the number of available restructures that you have in any particular year. And this is why. Do you like a restructure with Martin or would you see about just doing an extension another year or two on his contract? I mean, that's always an option. Um, But the thing is, is you almost have to think of Martin as almost a year to year proposition at this point. Right. Um, And so maybe you add, you can convince him to add another year on, but who knows how he'll feel. He was more banged up this year than he's ever been, all that kind of right. stuff. So um, I think with Martin, you're going to find a way to get some space out of that deal. He's not going to play on a $28.5 million cap hit this year. Um, and the functionality that allows you to feel okay about doing that, even though you know he's a year-to-year player at this point, if you roll his cap space over this year, or if you take the cap space this year and you don't use it, you can roll that cap space from this year to next year. So if you restructure his contract and do the maximum number of void years and do all the tricks, you can save, you know, over the cap says 12.5 million bucks, 12.6 million bucks. If you don't spend that $12.6 million in cap this year, you can roll that cap over to next and use it to cover the dead money hit that you get if he leaves. Um, or you and use it to help cover next year, you know, all that kind of stuff. And, you know, maybe we'll have another conversation about some salary cap specifics, but the way the economics work on the salary cap, salary cap dollars are worth more in the current year than they are in the future years. Um, and there are some economic principles behind that that I've gone over on Twitter a few times. But um, 
I'm the, I'm the guy who you maximize all the restructures that you can do because you can always roll that money over and use it to cover costs later. Um, and as we've talked about before, those dead money hits later don't really hurt you all that much. You can handle it. You can spread it out. You can do lots of things with it. So I'm not that worried about that kind of stuff with guys like Zach Martin um, or really with, with anybody, to be to be honest, that that comes up. Do you think that Martin and Diggs are probably the, the two most likely restructures that happen this offseason? Yeah, I think probably so. There's, there's a chance on Terrence Steele, but there's also a chance that they kind of look – but, I mean, you know, I said – I kind of don't want to touch that one. <laughs> right. But I, I don't want to either, but I also didn't want him to touch Michael Gallup's last year. Right. And they did, even though he was coming off of that really bad season last year they went ahead and did it. Now, again, it doesn't really hurt them all that bad because they rolled whatever space over. They didn't use all of it last year, et cetera, et cetera. And now here they are with Michael Gallup and they're going to, you know, they're going to handle that contract. However, they decide to handle it. I'm sure we'll get to that in a minute. Yes. All right. So to move on so far, we have extended Dak Prescott. We have extended the CD lamb. We have restructured Zach Martin and we have restructured Trayvon Diggs. So we have about $41 million in available cap space now. Let's get on, move on to some roster cuts. Um, like I said, this one's interesting. We'll, we'll get to the pre and post June here in a second, but just basic ones that we can see happening pre June one cuts. I think Leighton Vanderesh is a very likely one. I'm going to let you touch on that because that could be a retirement situation. And I really, you're going to know much more about the salary cap implications with retirement compared to cut than I will be able to talk about. <laughs> yes. So if, if he retires, um, essentially it acts as though he was released. Okay. Uh, because the, the contract, any money that was guaranteed in the contract, um, there are some places in CBA that claw back that guaranteed money and claw back some salary cap. It's very rare that it happens because teams don't want to get that reputation that they're going to go clawing back money. Right. Um, and so it doesn't happen very often. And when it does, we almost never hear about it. So uh, I would assume that's not going to take place. One functionality that they do have with a player like Leighton Van Rish, um, should he decide to retire, they could simply say, hey, Leighton, can you wait until June the 2nd to put your paperwork in? Right. Because if you don't put your paperwork in until June the 2nd, and we don't have to move you to reserve retired until June 2nd, we get to treat it like a post-June 1 release, which gets lets us spread the cap out between two years on the money, on the salary, on the prorated money that you would be due uh, or that would be due on the cap. Um, and that's, you know, similar to a conversation like probably what we're going to wind up having with with maybe Michael Cap and, and maybe another guy or two. Yeah, so let's get into that a little bit. Um, like I said, with with the latent release, retirement, whatever we want to call that, you're saving, you know, about about two million dollars. Um, is there anyone else? I mean, Cooper Rush is he somebody that you think that they would consider actually going with Trey Lance as a full time backup? They seem to really like him. Or Cooper Rush release saves you two point two five million dollars. I mean, that is a decent amount of money for a guy you hope doesn't have to play for you. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely going to have to be a decision that gets made on the two backup quarterbacks. Because you just can't have a quarterback 
your starter making 53 to $57 million a year, like we talked about with Dak. A third string quarterback who is going to make or is set right now to make $5.3 million. And a backup quarterback who is set to make $2.9 million. You just can't have that much money allocated to your quarterbacks. It doesn't make any sense to do it that way. Um, so they will either move on from Cooper Rush and Trey Lance will be the backup, or they will do something with Trey Lance's contract. He has a $4.3 million roster bonus due at the start of training camp this year um, because of the way the contract was structured with San Francisco. So if he's on the roster at the start of training camp, uh, he's due that money. Um, the roster bonus, though, because it's part of a rookie contract, is fully guaranteed. So even if they were to release him, they still have to pay that money out. So um, there's going to be something done with the contract for Trey Lance. Uh, who knows what that will be? Maybe there's a trade partner out there that wants to trade you a fifth-round pick for Trey Lance and you move on. Maybe not. Who knows? We'll see. But they're going to have to do something at the quarterback spot, and one of those moves will save you that 2 to $3 million that you were talking about. That It will either reduce Trey Lance's number by that much, or it will be Cooper Rush's number who goes away down by that much. All right. So we are at $45.5 million of salary cap space, and this is just a rough estimate. Um, I guess we can go ahead and rip off the – the Michael Gallup band-aid. We pretty we feel pretty confident that he will be a post June one release. I'm assuming. Yes, uh, I think so for sure. And so the way that works is Michael Gallup will be released at the start of free agency, at the start of the league year, and he will be designated a post June first release. I don't know why June is the day that they June one is the day that they picked for this change in the salary cap accounting rules to happen. But any player who's released after June the 1st, because it's so close to the season, um, to help teams account for salary cap, um, they allow you to split what the dead money would be over the current season and the next season. So you just keep the current season's prorated signing bonus the same, and the next season you take all of the rest of it that would normally accelerate into the current year. So for Michael Gallup, I think his number is like 13 million bucks this year. He's got about that much in prorated signing bonus left. Um, if they cut him immediately and don't declare him a June one, it's basically flat. You almost gain nothing. Maybe it's like a million bucks. Um, if you cut him, designate him post June one, he becomes a free agent immediately, can go find another team. You are able, the Cowboys would be able to split that salary cap hit and take four and a half million dollars of it now and take about nine million dollars of it next year and so but they don't get that extra salary cap space until june the first which is fine you've got to sign a draft class you've got to have money left on the cap to be able to sign players for ir replacements and in-season signings trades etc anyway the post june thing the cap coming the cap money coming then is not a big deal because you got plenty of options of, of how to get there when you need it. And it's not like you're depending on that move to get cap compliant. Like you said, you're we're we're using that move to go from 45 million in cap space to 52 million or something like that. So it's not not a huge deal right. for us from that standpoint. All right. So we have again we're post June one, 
you're going to have, based on what we, again, kind of the way we're looking at this is pre-June 1, we have about $45, $46 million in cap space. Post-June 1, you're going to get additional eight, I think it was, if I'm not mistaken. Um, Right, eight and a half, I think, something like that. Yeah, something like that. So let's just say going into free agency, this team has $45 million to play around with. Um, let's look at some of the, and we don't have to like really go through names of each, we'll, we'll, we'll target some positions that we think that they should target. I know we, we've heard a little bit of whispers about them maybe being interested in paying a linebacker. Um, I'm not going to lie to you. That scares the crap out of me because a few of the big names at the top of this list, I don't really have a lot of interest in going after. Um, so let let let's let's start at linebacker and talk about some names that we have on the free agent market coming up um, that are free agents and that could be of interest to in them. I think the top three names that people are going to want to hear about are Devin White, Bobby Wagner, and Patrick Queen. And I'm not going to lie to you, I have zero interest in any of those guys. <laughs> I agree with you a hundred percent. I think that. There are some options at linebacker that are interesting. And there's some options at linebacker that scare the bejeebies out of me. Yeah. Just like you kind of said. Um, And so, for me, I'm trying to shop at the linebacker spot in that range of five to seven million dollars a year. With linebackers, one of those really interesting positions because. The top, top guys make close to $20 million a year. And then there's almost nobody between 17 and $10 million a year. But then there's like this plethora of perfectly acceptable, really quality linebacker play in that 6 to $8 million a year range. Dre Greenlaw, for example, $8.2 million a year. Uh, Eric Kendricks is $6.6 million a year. Cole Holcomb, six. You know, Quincy Williams, six. Um, so I'm trying to shop in that area, that range of of linebacker. I don't necessarily care who it is as long as you're spending about that much money because if you spend about that much money, if he's not very good, you can – a guy like Mike Zimmer carries a big enough stick, he could take the guy off the field. What do you think in Aziz Alshair, a Frankie Louvu? Those are younger guys. I mean, like, I even think that, like, a Levante David on a one year rental, if he still, you know, is interested in playing some and Tampa Bay's not going to bring him back. Like, that's the route I want to look at. You know, maybe we can talk about a Josie Jewell who's 30, who's been a, you know, good player for the Broncos, kind of fits kind of what this, this team needs. Um, but those are like the three or four names that I want to pay attention to. I mean, I'm curious to see what like a Jordan Brooks get. He's been a good player for Seattle. I think he's been better than Bobby Wagner, you know, this year. And then when he was with Seattle a few years ago. Um, so what are like, I mean, again, I don't want to go name by name for each position, but what are some, what are some names that you like in this linebacker group that you might have some interest in going after? And that might be fit into that price point that we're, that we're on the same page on. Yeah, the, the names are the names that you mentioned. It's Aziz Alshair, it's Frankie Louvu, it's um, like, a, and then you get into those are kind of the guys that you're like, all right, let's commit three, four, five years to one of these guys 
And then there's the the two, three-year guy, and um, Jordan Brooks fits in that same sort of realm. And then there's the, hey, let's rent this guy for a year or two. And that's the Devin – or not the Devin White. That's the uh, Levante David. That's the uh, Kenneth Murray even maybe. That's the uh, – Jordan Exactly. That was the name I was hunting for off the top of my head too. Those types of guys are the guys that you go out and you rent for a year or two um, and, and bring them in um, to sort of solidify the linebacker position and give Overshawn a chance to recover, give these guys a chance to develop that you have on your roster, add a guy in the draft, maybe those kinds of things that are probably going to be playing in that four, six, seven million dollar a year range that you can really control the cap hit in the first year and you can uh, you can get really quality play out of them. Uh, especially in a system that's going to maximize linebackers like uh, Zimmer is. Yeah, I, uh, I he might be a little bit more than we're thinking, but I think we should in our in our off season mock draft simulator go ahead and sign a Frankie Lugu, who's been a good player for Carolina these last couple of years. He's a big six three, two hundred thirty five pound, kind of fits what this team needs. You know, get away from that undersized you know, overgrown safety that's playing linebacker. I think he is a run and chase guy. He can cover a little bit. He can hit you. He can play downhill. He can play sideline to sideline. So are, we, are, are you good with adding Frankie Lugu to the Dallas Cowboys? And our it, yeah, it, the, the, it's crazy. It sounds like I said, the name doesn't really even matter to me, but it's that yeah. prototype. It's a 235, 230 pound linebacker because Average linebacker weight in the NFL right now is about 220 pounds. So if you go above average size to get to that 235-ish range, you're getting a relatively large linebacker. That works for me. I'm not I'm not picky about the guy because I think the position is similar to another position we'll probably talk about in that the 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 prototype, the stereotype matters more than the the name itself. Sure, sure. All right. Um just kind of I'm looking at some of you know, positions of need. We talked about this a little bit last week. Um, let's let's talk about the left tackle position. Do we think Tyron Smith realistically is coming back and playing next year? Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on surprise 
the future of work. Questions including what are we missing when we work remotely or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to the future of work, a Prop G Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Prop G Pod wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, I, I think he does. Because I think he can. I think he played really well this year. I don't think he I don't think he has any reason other than I'm 34 years old to not want to come back and play. He was healthy relatively, you know, didn't have major injuries. I don't think he has anything major to spend time rehabbing this year, uh, this offseason. So like I, I don't necessarily see any reason why he wouldn't want to come back. Um, in terms of in terms of that, unless he just decides he's done. But that doesn't really seem like the kind of guy he is, or he wouldn't have done it already, probably, with all the injuries that he's faced over the course of his career. Yeah, and, and I mean, I think I'll also say, I think, um, I think Tyron Smith's smart enough, I was trying to think of a way to say this, I think Tyron Smith's smart enough to know that this team's window isn't, much open for much longer realistically i think you know say they do the things we're talking about i think we're looking at a you know two to three year window before they might be looking to reset things Dak's going to be you know older at that point you're going to be getting into kind of a new era depending on what things are um so i feel like he's smart enough to know that like hey this this team that i'm with right now might only have a couple years left in it to really kind of go for it so i'm gonna try to ride this thing out as, as long as i can yeah, and it's like this Cowboys team is no longer a young team. They have very few young contributors on rookie contracts at this point that you look at and say, okay, this guy is a a part of the future in for the Cowboys. There's, you know, three or four of them maybe, uh, which is, you know, says something about this team the last, you know, year or two. That's including – that's assuming Micah Parsons gets signed to an extension soon, all that kind of stuff. Um I, I think you're right. I think he's smart enough to look around and go, we've got a real window with this group of players for the next two years. Right. I can hang on for the next two years and play and and be just fine. And to be honest with you, he cost you he, – he made $9 million last year. Yeah. So like, they, yes, like there's some Spotrax, you know, Spotrak's got his market value at seven point four million dollars, which I feel like is probably a little low, but yeah, like he he didn't cost you almost anything last year, and so there is there's almost no reason if you're the Cowboys not to bring him back. You are not going to get better offensive tackle play than you got from Tyron Smith for double what Tyron Smith cost this year. Even though he missed four or five games. And so as long as he wants to come back, bring him back, have a viable swing tackle option behind him. Those guys are not that – it's not that expensive to get viable offensive tackle play when you have a good quarterback. And uh, and just continue to – Profit from the four from the 
13 or 14 games of top six offensive tackle play that you get from Tyron Smith every year for 10 million bucks. Yeah. And, and we'll say, we'll I mean, cause it's, I'm sure whatever they do, it'll be some sort of incentive deal. So let's just say that we get Tyron Smith on a one year, $10 million deal, $8 million, you know, guaranteed, and then $2 million in incentive bonuses. Um, so we'll say that Tyron Smith's costing you $8 million against the cap, and we'll go a little, little bit higher with Frankie Louvu. We'll say that he's $8 million against the cap as well. Um, so we're, it's, we, we've signed two free agents. Um, it doesn't work exactly like this, but we'll just, just to explain it in this dumbed-down terms. We'll say we got two guys that are costing you $16 million against the cap right now. Um what other positions in free agency do you think they'll kind of be looking to to add a player at? I think they will they will sign a running back. Um, it may be Ronald Jones, you know, like that type of player. Like we we went into last year thinking maybe they'll sign a veteran running back, and they tag Tony Pollard and add Ronald Jones. Um, that may be what it is, or it could be. It, you know, it could be Austin Eckler who made six million six million dollars on last contract. It could be Gus Edwards who you know would be super cheap probably. Who the thing about running? You we mentioned Deontay Foreman last week. Like you're going to sign a really good running back in the four to six to seven million dollar a year range. Yeah, and you're going to get a guy who can be like one of the primary members of a of a committee, which is what you're looking for. I think I think I'm all and again it depends on what its market is and just based on the like I would love for them to just go the again it's not really a high risk, but like if JK Dobbins marking isn't big because he's torn his ACL three times and you can get JK Dobbins for a million and a half dollars something, you know, something two million dollars. Go for that and see if you can get him on a healthy year. And then, you know, you, you can draft a guy and then you sign a cheaper free agent or something like that. Like they, and that's what we've been talking about. It's like, it's not like they need the expensive guy, the third round guy, and the cheap guy. It's like, go for a high ceiling, you know, maybe high risk, high reward with the, the injury and low money on, on a guy who's maybe been banged up. Go with a, you know, day three guy in the draft and then just sign up you know, Rico Dowdle type of guy that you can get for less than a million dollars per year on the free agent market who can still be a you know valuable player for you if you need him to play. Yeah, I mean, you could probably come out of this free agency cycle with J.K. Dobbins, A.J. Dillon. Zach Moss. And, you know, Zach name. Moss. I, I mean, you could sign two of those three guys and probably pay less than you paid Tony Pollard last year for two of them. And then go in and draft a guy and have three guys that all together cost you $9 million against the cap as your three primary running backs. Throw a Hunter Lepke in the mix of the fullback, running back combo guy, and away you go. And you're ready to have a really good, solid running back room that can be really productive. All of those guys that I mentioned have been able to be really productive in the NFL. Um, and you can do it for super cheap. And... <laughs> You can do it with very low risk because there's three of them. And so if one of them gets hurt, J.K. Dobbins messes up his leg again. Okay, there's a reason why we paid him $2.5 million, and we are ready to now 
play somebody. We're ready to now play, you know, Matt Breida or Rashad Penny or AJ Dillon or whoever else that is that you signed for that other three and a half or four million dollars. Deontay Foreman, somebody like that. You now roll with those guys and the rookie, and you're still super cheap and super effective at running. Yeah, and I mean. I think, if I'm not mistaken, Malik Davis and Hunter Lepke are the only backs on the roster right now. Is it? Am I thinking about that right? <laughs> I think Deuce Vaughn is still on the roster. Deuce we'll Vaughn. see how yep, much yep, he yep, factors yep, into yep. anything. But uh, yep. Malik Davis is a you know futures contract signee. You know, and then you have Deuce Vaughn and Hunter Lepke. So you have the opportunity to really remake a running back room. And we saw the we saw the Eagles do this last year, where they had. Miles Sanders going off the roster, and they signed um, DeAndre Swift. They they traded for DeAndre Swift during the draft after the the Lions drafted Gibbs. They signed Rashad Penny for super cheap, basically that same idea as as the J.K. Dobbins idea you were talking about. Super effective when he's healthy, hasn't been super healthy. Give him a shot for very low money. They had him, they had Penny, they had Boston Scott, they had, you know, three or four of these guys and all together they cost like six million bucks a year or something like that, which is the same amount as what Miles Sanders himself signed for in free agency. So there's just it is just so easy to do that at the running back position because we I mean to, between the two of us, we've probably named 15 guys <laughs> and we haven't even named Saquon Barkley, Josh Jacobs, Derek Henry, you know, Zeke Elliott, Devin Singleton, we haven't named any of those guys who have all been primary ball carriers at some point in their career and will probably make in that same five, six, eight million dollars a year range. Yep. Yep. All right. So let's just say we're going to sign J.K. Dobbins for three million dollars. Um, I'm going to we'll speed it up a little bit and we're, we're not even going to give you a name, but we're going to say that they're going to sign another offensive lineman. We'll just say a Chuma Adoga like player. Um for another, what does that guy go for? Three or four million dollars? Um, yeah, something like that. It's not very much. We'll just say four million, just to to be safe. So that that puts us at twenty three million dollars. Um, the last position I want to talk about is defensive tackle. Um, I think that that's a a spot that they could potentially look at. There's a lot of good def- interior defensive linemen in this free agent group. Um. Again, do I think this team's going to go out and sign Chris Jones? I do not, so I don't even want to sit here and talk about that. But the name that I do want to bring up is guys like DJ Reader, guys like Grover Stewart, who I really would love them to target yes. nose tackle from Indianapolis. Um, do you see – I mean, we're, are, are you fine with us kind of pushing the hand there and going for in for a Grover Stewart and a DJ Reader or something like that? Yeah, I mean – we talked about the running back, the depth at the running back position in free agency this year. But I'm just going to name some of these guys. And now, not all of these guys will make it to the market because of things like free agency and stuff like or uh, franchise tags and stuff like that. I'm going to start at the top on the, the over the cap list. We've got Leonard Williams, Chris Jones, DJ Reader, Grover Stewart, Fletcher Cox. He's probably going back to Philly. Sheldon Rankins, Denito, Denico Autry, Austin Johnson, Daquan Jones, Elias Campbell. Justin Jones, Bilal Nichols, Ashawn Robinson, Tayer Tart, Javon Kinlaw, Christian Wilkins. Yeah, I was going to say, you didn't even name Christian Wilkins. He's probably the second best one behind Chris Jones. Exactly. <laughs> uh, Quentin Jefferson, Taven Bryan, Greg Gaines, 
Sebastian Joseph Day is a quality interior player. Puna Ford, like there are there are guys. Justin Bouquet has been great for Baltimore. I mean, there's just a yes. lot of really good interior defensive linemen. Exactly. And, and I went in order of the current a average per year that they that they got, but you know, Justin Jones played sixty five percent of the snaps for the Bears this year. He's a free agent. You know, you mentioned Justin Matabike. Jonathan Bullard played 57% of the snaps for the Vikings this year. He He's a free agent. You know, there's a ton of these guys out there who are capable players on the interior defensive line that if there's one spot in free agency this year that I'm saying I'll spend up on, let's go into the double digits average annual value for, it's probably this group. Uh, the top guys, the Justin Matabikes and the Chris Joneses and the Leonard Williams and the Christian Wilkins, those guys are going to turn around and sign for $25 million a year or something like that. But DJ Reader, like you mentioned, he's a little bit older. This is his third contract. Um, he's 30 years old. Can you sign DJ Reader for $12 million a year? Maybe. $14, $15 million a year? Maybe. Um and that is super interesting to me, for sure. Because if you think, if you look at the way the Bengals defense played, DJ Reader was on the field versus when he was off it. Um, that's the kind of guy I would love to have come in and be, or or the Grover Stewart, like you mentioned, come in and be a guy who spends a lot of time with um, with Mozzie Smith to see what what we can do. All right. Well, that look, we're, we're I, I think they're going to sign two interior defense linemen this year because I, I don't know if they're going to bring Hankins back. That just I don't know. It doesn't seem seem like he's he's been a good player, but I feel like they can upgrade there. And I feel like going the DJ Reader route, you know, and adding a guy maybe like Tara Tart, a guy that's probably not going to cost you a lot. Who's another guy who can kind of play that nose tackle, can play some three technique, can do a few different things for you. He's young, you know. He's only twenty seven years old at this point. Um, I think they'll probably bring in two defensive linemen. I think they'll bring in an offensive lineman. I think they'll be bringing a running back. I think they're going to re-sign Tyron Smith, and I think they're going to bring in a linebacker. With the the names we mentioned, Frankie Louvu at $8 million a year, Tyron Smith at $8 million a year, J.K. Dobbins at $3 million a year, Chuma, you know, a Chuma Adoga or a Chuma Adoga-like player at $4 million a year, DJ Reader and TJ, uh, Tier Tart. That's at third, that gives us 38 um, million dollars in cap space ate up for again. We're dumbing this down a little bit here, but uh, we had 45, 46 to work with. That's before the the Michael Gallup post June um, cut money. So that gives us, you know, we're still playing with seven, eight, you know, nine million dollars in salary cap space with the additions of a Frankie Louvu, Tyron Smith, J.K. Dobbins, offense alignment, depth guy, DJ Reader, and Tierra Tart. So that kind of gives you an idea of what they're able to do in free agency um, heading into the draft with some of the moves they're able to make, some of the extensions they can give out, some of the cuts they can do. Um, we're going to do it quick, but we will go through. Um, I, I got, I'm got. i sharing my screen here with Joey. We are going to quickly go through a seven-round uh, mock draft. I'll pull it up on PFF, and we'll roll through that real quick. Luckily, I don't have a lot of picks this year, so it should be be easy to do these. I was going to say, uh, we got to go ahead and trade. Uh, I, I tried to get 
talk to Marcus today, trying to figure out why the heck they still got that that one twenty four pick in there. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and start this bad boy. We're gonna get it rolling. I'm gonna go ahead and trade one twenty five, so we don't have to worry about that. I'm just gonna trade that for a random pick next year. Um, so we have the twenty fourth, the fifty sixth, the eighty seventh, the one seventy third, the two thirteenth, and the two hundred fifty seventh pick in this draft. Um. I don't think they're going to have a lot of room to move up or down this year. Uh, I mean, excuse me, move up. They could be looking to move down, but just with not a lot of draft capital, it's going to be tough to see them moving up a whole lot. Um, So at 24th overall, kind of show you what we got here. Uh, Jackson Powers Johnson went just ahead of the Cowboys. Kool-Aid McKinstry just went ahead of the Cowboys. Um, So you're looking at your top three or four corners gone. So this is kind of what we got hanging around with what we did in free agency. What are you what are you looking at here? I mean, if you the way as you scroll through it, it looks like I've got a lot of offensive line options left. Yeah. Like almost almost other than Jackson Powers Johnson, almost every offensive line option that we've talked about, Amarius Mims, you know, Jordan Morgan is still there. Guyton's still Troy there. Fontenot. Troy Fontenot, um, Zach Frazier still there. Graham Barton, your guy still there. There's lots of offensive line options. Um, there's the possibility that the uh, Braylon Trice, the Washington Edge, was there. Um, I think that is probably the the extension of the like you know they could they could draft a wide receiver i wouldn't think it was crazy because they do, do need a wide receiver like a viable one yeah um but i think there's a lot of guys i want to have a chance to pick between like 30 and 70 and so i want to see if i can go back you know and of course we shouldn't complicate this more than we more than we need to but here we are um, in this scenario i would probably try to go back and be able to take one of the offensive linemen and add a pick in the process. Um, I don't necessarily think we have to do that in this scenario because because uh, we're trying to get through it. But, I mean, I think – Let's see if Detroit would want to come up. They got a lot of picks in the top 100. I don't know if they have any interest in coming up. Baltimore – it doesn't seem like we got a whole lot of interest. I think a lot of these other teams are looking at all these offensive linemen hanging around and going, yeah, we're yeah. just going to sit. <laughs> yeah, I think, you know, you could take you could take an offensive lineman as a developmental type guy, but you've got to have a guy who is who has a path to playing right away. Um, I think you're going to find that tough with, um, with what you're paying – Terrence Steele, and you want to give him the opportunity, and with Tyron Smith back, because in our exercise we did that. What's uh, the What's the one position on the offensive line you're gonna You're gonna get that from the it's, center. It's position. center, which is you know that's where your guy Graham Barton comes into play, or you know Zach Frazier, the uh, the West Virginia um, center, probably comes into play as one of the top three guys. Graham Barton just makes so much sense for this football team with the the long term need potentially at left tackle, the short term need at center. 
his versatility that he offers, you know, they love versatility, you know, they love, you know, high, high football IQ offense alignment. I mean, it just, it, he is a, I mean, again, like I know you go on these mock draft simulators and, you know, he's ranked in the forties, but I just think he is a perfect fit for this team for what they need positionally wise and long-term and short-term outlook. That's where I was ultimately getting was I think he's probably the guy that makes the most sense in a world where you're not moving back to try to open up more doors. Yeah, let's go with Grant Barton. I really do. Like I said, I know he's kind of been out of sight, out of mind, you know, with, with, you know, not being at the senior bowl, all this stuff, you know, but I really, really do think that he is a, a really good fit for this team and can be a really good player for this team as well. Um, so you've added your your starting center in Graham Barton. Uh, we're coming back in the second round. I, I mean, I think here you're looking at receiver. You're looking at corner. You're looking at edge rusher potentially. Am I missing anything that you're thinking of? Um, no, I think you pretty much got it. Especially now that we, you know, we added our our offensive lineman. Um, Cameron Carson probably, out of Wake Forest. It's tough to see them drafting a corner out of Wake Forest this early in the draft, just because we have. I mean, they did draft Tyler Smith last uh, year before last out of a smaller school, um, but man, it's just he doesn't. It's tough to. I mean, he's he's not a necessarily like super super long guy. Um, I really do like him, you know, but he's he's a little bit. I think he's going to come in a little bit shorter on the arm length side of things and what Zimmer and. Quinn, Quinn, Quinn and Zimmer kind of have similar corner feels where they want those big, long press man corners to, to kind of jam people up at the line of scrimmage. Um, as far as edge rushers go, Adisa Isaac, Adisa Isaac still around Penn State edge rusher. It's tough to imagine him being around, but he'd be a fun player to, to throw into the mix. Um, would you would you have any interest in going back to the linebacker well after you've added a, a Frankie Louvu and you – you know, you did cut Leighton Vander Esch. Like, is Edge Cooper, Demari, Demarion Overshone, Frankie Louvu, and uh, Demone Clark? Is that too many linebackers at that point? So, one of the things about Zimmer is Zimmer is going to play a lot more base defense yep. than uh, than Dan Quinn ever did. Um, so, you will need you will have three linebackers that play regular snaps. Um, and, you know, we had this conversation last week that this part of the draft is where you get the best value on linebackers. Um, I would probably take Edger and Cooper here. I'm all over um, that. And, and then one of the things that we should remember as we get through the next couple of rounds here is that the way this team usually works is when they change a coordinator, they give that coordinator one year to work primarily with the existing players that he has. And then the next year they give him a, a solid draft class full of players to 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 work with, um, which points to this being an offense heavy draft for the Cowboys because they did change um, Mike McCarthy last year. But I I think the right pick here is Edron Cooper because I think that makes at fifty six it makes a ton of sense for the next four to five years almost regardless of who your defensive coordinator is, um, you get really great value in this part of the draft. And if you wind up combining, let's say Frankie Louvu comes in and plays okay, but Edron Cooper and DeMarvion Overshone take off in 2024, 
you now have a second round pick on a rookie contract and a third round pick on a rookie contract. You can afford for Frankie Louvu not to not to be your primary your number one linebacker if that's the case. Yeah. I like it. Like I said, it, Cooper's I don't I kind of don't understand why he's not getting a little bit more love. I mean, like I said, he in, in a linebacker class that lacks like a pure first round guy. He just I don't know. He think that he'd be getting a little bit more hype with his ability to play the pass, play the run, rush the passer. I mean, kind of covers checks all the boxes. Um all right, here in the third round, 87th overall pick. Um, we still haven't added a corner. I think that that would be a, a good position to target here. Uh, Jerion Jones out of Florida State, bigger guy that, that I think could be a fit for this team. DJ James out of Auburn uh, could be a fit for this team. I think Chris Abrams Green is a guy that I, that I like a lot. Uh, two Missouri corners coming out this year. Um, again, he does not – he really doesn't fit your press man style of, of corner. Um, that we, we've seen this team like a guy I'm interested in that I really liked at the senior bowl, which this might still be a little early for is cam Hart. Um, he is a big, long physical corner. Um, I'm interested to see how much he kind of goes up draft boards here in these next couple of weeks as the combine approaches. Um, I don't know if you've gotten into watching cam Hart a lot, but I was really impressed with him at, in mobile. And then, Diving back into his tape, you know, there was a lot of lot of things I like from him at Notre Dame. I haven't. What what does the running back world look like right now? Let's see. Because, like I said, I I think this is going to be an offense heavy draft for the Cowboys. Um, Blake Corum, think... Mich- Michigan Michigan running back still around, really good back, just kind of a large carry guy in college had a lot of carries in college isn't like your explosive big play guy but kind of your steady you know steady easy as you go guy big back um small smaller back but more of a physical in between the tackles guy Bucky Irving who I love um you know I think he'd be a really good guy to pair with like a J.K. Dobbins I got you know J.K. Dobbins is kind of your your every down back but you, you you sprinkle in a Bucky Irvin kind of like we they've done with Tony Pollard over the last few years. I think you get a really good, you know, two-headed man, monster if, if Dobbins or, you know, Dobbins or Foreman or whoever that back is we had is, is able to stay healthy. I think that's your route. I think it's Bucky. I think in this, in this scenario, we've got an offensive lineman. We've got a, you know, a linebacker. I think they're going to lean very heavy offense in this draft, like I said. I think Bucky Irving is a big play in a bottle that you need in this offense at this point. Um, you don't think they're going to value the running back position like they did with Zeke, where it was we need the every down guy. You know, we talked they they talked about kind of resetting their running back thought process this year. Um, I'm curious if that was like a financial thing or if that was a hey, we're going to go away from the every down guy type of thing and just make sure that we have a, a playmaker at that position and then multiple bodies at that position. We can kind of we can kind of pick and choose when we want to use the guy that we need him for. Yeah, I think that – I think they added a bunch of analytics guys last year after the talent acquisition period ended. Um, I think the running back position is like the lowest hanging fruit possible for an analytics group to come in and address in a team like the Cowboys. Um, so again, third, they don't have a fourth round pick, but third, fourth ish round along with, you know, the middle of the second or so a great place to get a running back. Um, 
Buck Earring's a big play in a bottle. You combine those two guys together, and now you're you're really cooking, you know, with with really good gas at the running back spot, and, and really on offense as a whole at that point. Yeah, I, I like it. I, Bucky Irvin's one of my favorite players in this draft. Like I said, he's undersized, but you talk about a guy who's explosive, can make plays in the passing game and the running game. Um, runs tough for a small guy too. I mean, like he's he's an undersized back, but you just you don't see him getting his ass kicked in between the tackles very often. He's just a dude who, who plays physical. Um, all right, here in the fifth, this is where things start to hurt because you just you went a long ways without having a pick. Um, you know, with the Trey Lance trade. I feel like they got to add a corner at some point in this draft. But yeah, I think corner is one of those spots that if you're not going to get to it early, you're probably not going to get to it in this draft. Um, and I think there's, you know, we didn't talk about corner and free agency. I would be shocked if they didn't. You know, if Stephon Gilmore wasn't back or if, you know, there's enough corners that went through Minnesota during that time when Mike Zimmer was in Minnesota. They'll, <laughs> I think they'll find a corner is sort of what I'm getting at that will that will be affordable enough to for them to consider paying him, but not so much that it's, you know, causes a problem. Uh, I think we probably missed the window on corner. Um which is probably my fault because I was talking offense so much. Um, yeah, I mean, I, but I think, I, think that, I, I think that's the direction that they'll go. I think they will solve corner before the draft, which we didn't do. We didn't get there, but I think they will. Uh, they'll probably hit it again late, you know, just because they like to. But um, there you go. I know you, you like know, the receivers. Yeah, I think it's it's one of the like. I don't know if. I think Moose Muhammad is going back to school. Um, but. See, all of our, my, my, my Georgia receiver, I like my big body Georgia receiver, Marcus uh, Langstreet. He's back. He's been drafted. Jordan Winnington's an interesting player. Um, kind of the third receiver in the, you know, Texas has got, Adonai Mitchell, they got Xavier Worthy, and then Jordan Winnington's kind of the, the third guy in that group. Um, not, I mean, not again. Like we're kind of getting. That's what I'm saying. You that, that there's a big gap in between their their third round pick and that fifth round pick, where you start to you start to get low on things when you get here. <laughs> yeah, you you wind up. You know, we talk about the. You know, it gets talked about all over the time, all over the place. You wind up getting to the point in the the fifth, sixth, seventh round where you're now drafting guys for their traits, right? Where you're no longer drafting guys to try to make impact in year one. You're drafting guys for, you know, potential development. We've seen them draft special teams type players in this window, that kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean, if you you mentioned it, you know, this late on day three, you're kind of looking for for traits at this point. Um, Brennan Jackson's a guy. I know, I know you talked about how you know they're probably going to try to look at going offensive heavy here which I, I don't disagree with but Brennan Jackson out of Washington State's a, a six foot four 265 pound edge rusher um I think he's a a, a guy that they're going to want to the, the way that he plays is guys that they're going to try to you know implement in Mike Zimmer's defense tough physical you know guys that you can put on the field and three down they're not going to be liabilities against the run they're going to they're going to get up the field as pass rushers but they're also going to be quality run defenders um, here this late, I, I really do like betting on the traits of a Brennan Jackson. 
you, you haven't added any edge rushers in free agency yet. You know, you, you probably are losing some in free agency and then you haven't added any in the draft. I think here in the fifth round that, that he makes a lot of sense for a guy that could come in and probably play some snaps for you, you know, in, in year one, but if not, he could develop into a, a quality player in year two with his size and, and motor and power and ability to play the run and the pass as a defensive end. You got me. I'm in. Let's go. Let's do it. All right. Two picks left, 213 and 242. Um, we've added – there's a quarterback at the top of the board. Is my, is my Wisconsin center still around? I know we added a – he is. I don't know that it'll actually be this around, but Tanner Bordellini. We added Graham Barton. Graham Barton's going to be our starting center, but Tanner Bordellini has played center, left guard, right guard, and right tackle in his four years at Wisconsin. I love me a Big Ten offensive lineman. I would draft one every single year. Give me an offensive lineman from Wisconsin, Iowa, Michigan, or, you know, Notre Dame's not in the Big Ten, but throw Notre Dame in. I, I like to call it my Midwest offensive lineman. Wisconsin, Iowa, Michigan, Notre Dame, you know, Indiana. Like, give me an offensive lineman from one of those areas every year, and I will build you a very, very good offensive line out of nothing but those guys. I'm, I'm so in. And, again, we know they love versatility, and it's hard to get more versatile than left guard, center, right guard, and right tackle. And, mm -hmm. and can can truly pass protect as a as a center and scroll up a little bit for me. And is a, a, a you got to be a plus run blocker to play at at um, at Wisconsin. Yeah, no, he like even though they changed offenses this year, got to be yeah. a plus run blocker to play. Yeah, I mean, he's a bigger dude. You know, he's a six foot five, three hundred and fifteen pound guy. Like, I, you know, he started and played center exclusively this year. But I think that 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 side, you know, you just don't see a ton of big centers nowadays. And I think some of his, some of his maybe, hey, he might be a better guard than center is just due to his his length and size at the position. Um, last pick in the draft for the Dallas Cowboys at two forty two in the seventh round. Anything we're looking at here in particular? I mean, what like I said, once once you get into this part of the draft, you you've gotten to a bunch of guys who I I probably haven't heard of at this point. Uh, I don't know what a Daquan Hardy is. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> I, uh, we'll get there. We'll get there. Yeah. So you, you're at the point where where you you kind of pick your pick your special team play coach's favorite player and. I mean, they already picked the linebacker, but they love to pick their late-round linebackers. Um, there's always a chance they take a chance on a late-round tight end. Um, I don't think quarterback's an option in this draft because of the Trey Lance situation. Um, I think it's pretty wide open once you get this late in the draft. We're going to pick a receiver just because we haven't picked one yet. Um, I'm going to choose between Bryson Nesbitt and I think I'm going to choose – I think he went back to school too. We gotta get Marcus on some of this stuff, man. Um, man, I am not a huge fan of what is left on the board here. Let's take the TCU Titan just to take the the local guy, Jared Wiley. There you go, Jared Wiley, TCU Titan. There you go. 
are going to do it. Um, and again, I, I think like you said, I think in, in, we didn't really talk about it, but I think we'd probably add a, a cornerback in our free agency topic a little bit now that we talked about it, you know, Stefan Gilmore or something like that, you know, a, a veteran guy who could come in on a one-year deal for seven, eight, nine million dollars. Um, and in that case, you know, Stefan Gilmore makes a ton of sense. He comes in. I feel like you've, you know, you you came in. You added a starting center in the draft. You added a starting linebacker in the draft. You added a starting caliber running back in the draft. You added a really good depth piece on the interior of the offensive line. A good depth piece at edge rusher, and then a developmental tight end um, to come in and maybe fight out. You know, Peyton Hendershot. Um, you know, John Stevens is supposed to be back. You know, I know that they really like him, but you know, coming in and having a having a battle for that that tight end three spots not a bad thing to have. Play some special teams, um, and then you added a, a starting caliber linebacker and Frankie Luvu in free agency. Tyron Smith's coming back. J.K. Dobbins, uh, Chuma Doga, or a player like him that can play a few different spots. D.J. Reader and Tierra Tart. So I feel like you got a lot better on the defensive line. I feel like you got a lot better at linebacker, and I feel like you are much improved on the offensive line uh, from a depth and starting standpoint, which uh, would be a, a a a vote in the right direction for this football team. Absolutely, I think you gotta you gotta emphasize the line of scrimmage and the uh, the front seven on defense, the line of scrimmage, and some running back catching on offense, and I think you'll be a heck of a lot better football team in uh, in twenty twenty four. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we've been a little longer today, so we're going to get out of here. We appreciate everyone listening. It's just been a big topic on on Twitter and social media. You know, how much money will the team have? The, the quarterback's contract, they can't do anything in free agency. Well, we're, we're letting you know that you can. You can have plenty of money to spend in free agency. You can, you can, you can, as, as depressed as we have been over these last month or two now with how the season ended, we do feel like you can have a good enough offseason to come back into the training camp and preseason and feel really good about the direction this team is going in. Just it's going to take some effort from the front office to to commit to spending some money in free agency, to to doing the right things from a contract standpoint, and then going in this draft and not having a draft like they had last year. Um, can be a little tougher, you know, easier said than done, but uh, – think that Will McClay and company has a run in them and they're going to need it this year because, like I said, that window isn't going to stay open forever. And the the later we get into the years, the the quicker it's closing. But um, we're going to get out of here, like I said, we went a little long today. We will be back next week. we got the combine coming up here in a couple weeks, so we'll be talking more about these prospects from an individual basis here in these next few weeks. Appreciate you guys so much for listening. Like I said, sorry for going so long today, but hopefully you stuck around with us. We will see you guys next week on the Talking the Draft podcast. See you then.